1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. You all today,
0: Master Savior. I have come to seek you. men in the house, you can do better than that. You can do better. You're kind of quiet today. You can be alive today. It's cold outside. It's nice. You've got to get some life in the house today. But good morning. Are you ready once again to be transformed by God's Word? Are you ready for God's Word to work in your life? Because that's exactly what God's Word always promises to do in your life. God never wants you to leave the same way in which you came in. God doesn't want you to be the same as when you came in. And that's why when we read the Word of God, it's not just a case of reading it. I I hope you're still reading through with us. I believe we are 22% of the way through the Word of God right now. I believe it was day 80 today or 80-something today. And how encouraging and exciting is that? But we're not just reading the Word. We want the Word to read us. We need the Word of God to read us our circumstances and situations so it can direct us, it can educate us, it can change us, it can help us in every way. And I'm so excited about this series that we've been engaging on the series of if over this past month because i really believe as i said on wednesday night i can just really see that there are so many people that are saying wow well, i'm with you on this this relates to me why does it relate to us because every one of us have regrets every one of us has those if onlys that we wished that we would have done or the things that we wished we hadn't done. They say in later years of life, we're going to regret more the things that we didn't do more than the things that we did do. So we need to be active doing those things. But our goal through this series is this. We want to see you trade in your if only regrets for God. What if possibilities? Let me say that one more time. We want to see each and every one of you trade in your if only regrets. And we all have them for the what if God possibilities that God has prepared for each and every one of us as we journey through the as ifs. The as ifs many times can be a question, as if, anyway, God would love me. We're changing the question to saying, I'm going to start living as if. I already have those things, as if they are already mine, because I want to break it to you. They are already yours. God has made it possible. You've just got to possess them. You've just got to step into those things. And that's where I want to begin today, because just last week I was reading This scripture, and again, if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you would have read this scripture this week also from Numbers chapter 26 and verse 64 and 65, reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, Not one person on this list had been amongst those who were listed in the previous registration that was taken by Moses and Aaron in the wilderness of Sinai for the lord had said of them they will all die in the wilderness and not one of them survived except Caleb and Joshua Caleb And Joshua. When the children of Israel came out of bondage and they stepped into what was supposed to be the pathway into their promise, God had them numbered. Everyone who was 20 years and older was numbered. Now they are ready 40 years later and we're going to see why a little bit in a moment. But 40 years later, here they are, now finally ready to go in and possess their promise that Moses once again instructs them to number the people. And notice the Bible says that not one 20 and older is now listed on this new number. Why? Because every one of those, that whole generation, died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. Not one survived. Well, actually two survived. Joshua and Caleb, because they believed God. But one thing you've got to realize is this, and I want you to hear me good today. God never brought the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery to see them die in a wilderness. God brought them out miraculously. He, he performed miracles, the plagues of Egypt. God brought them out rich. When they left bondage, the Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians gave them everything and said, get out. Here's my gold, here's my silver, here's my inheritance. Get out of here. They left with such victory. They left with such power because they were on their way to a promise. But on the way, they somehow, lost the way and so many times in our lives we can lose the way God has a promise for our life not to be in bondage and in slavery any longer a promise of victory and power but yet we're not living in that we're not living in the fullness of God so what happened what happens to our life can I tell you wrong focus yeah. If you have taking notes today, write that down, wrong focus. We begin to look at the wrong things. We begin to focus in on the wrong things. Listen to this verse, or actually verses from Numbers chapter 13 and 31 through 33. This is after the children of Israel have spied out the land of promise that God was given them. It says, but when the men who had gone up with him said, with him, talking of Caleb. Caleb has just stood up and he's addressed the people. He's told them we are well able to go and possess the land. The people are now replying. They are now giving their viewpoint, their focus on what they believe needs to happen. And they says, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. It's amazing if you would read back in Numbers 13, the spies that went, twelve in number. Joshua and Caleb were two of the twelve. Ten other men. They brought back a report, and the report was like this the land that God promised us is greater than we even imagined. It's greater, the promises that God has for us. you got to picture this, two men carried a cluster of grapes between them. It took two men to carry a bunch of grapes. That's some grapes right there. That's grapes about the size of apples. I mean, that's some big grapes right there. And that was the cluster. They're looking and they're seeing all of this. They're saying, wow, the promises of God are even greater than we could even imagine. But again, wrong focus begins to take place. Wrong focus. And you need to hear this today because if you don't hear this, you're going to hit a roadblock in your life. You're going to hit a roadblock in your spiritual life. And the block is not on the road, the block's going to be in your heart. It's going to be a blockage in your heart because you've heard everything that we've been teaching. For many of you, you've left here saying, you know what, I'm changing. I'm tired of the regrets. I'm moving in to the what-if possibilities of God. And then you go to make the change. How many knows that when you go to make changes, change can be tough? Because things have to change. Things can't remain the same. There is pain in change. They say in working out, no pain. No gain. There's pain in the gain of life. So what happens when we hit that roadblock, when we say, I'm going to make that change, many of us freeze and we begin to question, we begin to doubt, we find ourselves disillusioned, we allow our lives to be misled, things don't go as planned. Anyone with me on that? When things don't always go as planned. But what now? What now? For most of us, we lose focus. For most of us, we lose the scripture that we were hanging on to when we left Sunday. Saying that God is for me, who can be against me? I can take on the world and then the world begins to take on you and then you're questioning and doubting because your focus has shifted from a God who is more than able and now you're realizing I'm not able. Notice it's gone from a God who is able to you who is not able. Not Able, not able. God gave them a promise. But even with the promise, it was going to be hard. God never promises that it's going to be easy in our life. But He does promise blessings to those who possess it, who move through it. So don't be left at a crossroad of indecision today. I love the words in verse 30. Caleb says this, come on, let us possess it. Caleb says this, for we are well able to overcome it. Say with me, it. It. We're well able to overcome it. Notice Caleb's focus is not what they've seen because they've seen the fortified cities. They've seen the giants. They've seen the hindrances in their way. But Caleb is not saying, oh, we're able to overcome the cities. Caleb is not saying we're able to overcome the strongholds. Caleb is not saying we're able to overcome the giants and the armies. Caleb is saying this, we are able to overcome it. It, it, it. Why? Caleb wasn't focusing on the opposition that was ahead. Because when you start looking, wow, that's a big dude. When you start looking, Caleb's got eyes up to heaven and he's looking and saying, no matter what the enemy has in our way, no matter what's waiting for us tomorrow, don't be afraid of that because God's got the it covered for your life. You are an overcomer. We are able to overcome it. In other words, Caleb was saying, I don't know how, but I know God. I don't know how, but I know God. I don't know how 90% blessed goes further than 100% unblessed, but I know it does. I don't know how when problems and struggles come, and there's not enough strength left in the tank to do what you've got to do, but you step out in faith and God just blesses. I don't know how it all happens, but I know God. I know, God, get your eyes off the circumstances and the situations because when you see the wrong thing, you're going to go to the wrong place. You've got to start seeing the right things and have your right focus. You've got to start believing in a God who can and you can and we can and together we will overcome. I wonder what's your it factor today. I wonder if your it factor is you're looking at the victory or are you looking at the defeat? I wonder today if you're looking at the life that you can have or are you looking at the death? I wonder if you're looking at you or if you are looking at God. Read on verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Amazing, just a few moments ago they're given a good report. Now it's a bad report. Saying what? The land through which we have gone as spies Is a land that devours its inhabitants. You see, here's the progression. Are you ready? Wrong focus produces wrong conclusions. When you've got the wrong focus, you're going to jump to the wrong conclusion every time. They didn't see that. They didn't see a land that devours their inhabitants. They didn't see the ground open up and swallow people. They didn't witness any of that. They were making it up in their minds because they had created a false reality that would become their future. You and I have got to watch because the enemy will mess with our minds that we will think our way out of the blessing of God. That we will allow through a wrong focus to jump to the wrong conclusions in our mind. And then they go on to say, and all. Notice key word, all the people who we saw were men of great stature. Oh, they reported back that there were some giants. But now what are they saying? Everyone's a giant. Everyone's bigger than them. Everyone's badder than them. It's just going from bad to worse. And what's happening? Notice, they are defeating themselves before the enemy has even wielded a sword. The devil doesn't even have to fight most of us because we fight for him. The enemy doesn't even have to many times do anything. In fact, we talked about it last week. All he does anyway is suggestions. He suggests and then we take the suggestions and we run with them and we live according to His suggestions instead of the commandments of God. And that's a picture of many of us today. We're looking at the promise. They went into the land. They looked. They saw. They liked the promise. They said, oh, wow, it's great. They had a taste of the promise. They said, look, here's the fruit we ate of the land. Surely it's a good land. But like many, we stand defeated before fully entering into his promise. We see it, we taste it, but we never live it. And it's not the devil's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Because if the devil can't stop you from having it, he's going to always try and stop you in it. Because He's not going to leave you alone. Because He wants your focus to change so your mind and your conclusions will be based on the wrong facts. You see, there's facts and there's truth. The fact is this, you may be sick. The truth is this, He's still your healer. The fact is this, you may be broke and have no money in the bank. But the truth is this, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The truth and facts are completely different things. The facts are real to us. But God is realer, if there's such a word. It's my message, so we'll just use that. The facts can present themselves, but the facts are not the truth. The truth is God. The truth is God's word. Stop building your life upon the facts and start building your life upon the truth. Verse 33, then we saw the giants. They were the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight as so we were in their sight. They began to see themselves now as nothing. Insects, insignificant nothing. Wow, isn't that what the enemy wants you to see? Oh, you're nothing. Your needs will never be met you'll never be free. You'll never receive the breakthrough. You'll never amount to anything. I like how the New Living Translation says that verse. Look what it says. It says this. We felt like grasshoppers next to them. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what we looked like to them. Next to them. We felt like grasshoppers. And that's what we looked like next to them. Why would you say that, Pastor P? Here's the reason why. Because wrong focus will bring you to a wrong conclusion that will take you to the wrong place. Because notice now they are next to the wrong thing. Now they are comparing themselves because they are beside the enemy where we don't need to be next to the enemy. We don't need to place ourselves or see ourselves next to them, but we need to see ourselves beside God. We need to root our lives beside God. We need to live in His shadow, not the shadow of the world. Psalms 91 verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love that word Almighty there. It means the all powerful one, it means the unconquerable one. Other origins come from the word mountain, indicating God's greatness, his strength, or his everlasting nature. It also means an all sufficient God, a God who is eternally capable of being all that his people need and will ever need. God God says, I will be your almighty God. Stay by me. Stay by me. Get out of the world. Don't try and fit in with the world because you'll see yourself in the state of the world. You've got to come and see yourself in me. you got to be in me. Verse 2, and I will say of the Lord, come on, my God. Romans 8.31, what shall I say to these things? If God is for me and we know that he's for me, who can be against me? David says, he is. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. you got to see yourself by your God. Who is everything that you could ever need in this life and through this life. Because that's the right focus. In Him I will trust. He is my refuge, my protection. He is my strength. Come on, He's your peace today. He's your comfort today. He's your way of escape. He's your hope. He's your future. He's your friend. I like that. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. In other words, he's going to deliver you from it. He's the it factor. He's got it all taken care of. All you have to do is say, go and get him, dad. Go and get him, Dad. Too many of us are fighting a battle that we're going to lose. He's already fought the battle and won. So why fight the battle he's already taken care of? Get the right focus so you'll have the right conclusion, so you'll find yourself in the right place. And that is this, under the shadow, the protection of God for your life. Because God is greater than it all. But we've got to guard our focus. What do you see today? Because what you see will be your conclusion. And your conclusion will take you where you'll end up belonging. And you don't belong in the world. You don't belong in a wilderness. You don't belong in defeat. Too many Christians are dying in a wilderness. Which was only meant to be their pathway to their promise. A land God promised to give them. That every, soul, every place, the Bible says, where the sole of their foot stepped, God said, I'm going to give that to you as your inheritance. How powerful. How incredible. It reminds me of another story from the Word of God. Let me give you some background. King Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. He's besieging Samaria, the city of God, the land of God. The, the siege is so great, and it is so it's having such an effect on them, that there is such poverty, there is such hunger, there is such devastation. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel were even resulting to cannibalism, eating each other because there was nothing left, total despair and total anguish. Second Kings chapter seven, beginning in verse three. And the Bible says this, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. Leprosy represents everything bad, it's not good. It's the worst of the worst, people who were excommunicated, they were outsiders, they were the if-only guys, living in the regrets of the past, the mistakes, the failures, it wasn't a good place to be. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die. You see, it's your decision today. We're talking about destiny is a decision. It's your decision today. Why am I sitting here in my state, in a leprous state, in a defeated, bad place? Why am I sitting here and dying in this place? Verse 4, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is so great in the city that we're going to die there. If we sit here, we're going to die here also. Aren't you glad there's a third option with God? Aren't you glad there's another option with God? Aren't you glad that God is always your way of escape? They say, now therefore, come let us surrender to the army of the Assyrians. Let's go to the enemy. Let's go to the Syrians. Let's go to our enemy because if they keep us alive, we're going to live. But if they kill us, guess what? It's no worse off than what we have right now. We're not, we have nothing to lose. In other words, they said, we've got everything to gain. There was only hope when they went. Listen to me today. There is only hope when you go. There's no hope in staying in that state. There's no hope in staying in a place of defeat and bondage. Verse 5, and they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. To their surprise, no one was there. Verse 6, love the first three words. For the Lord. Say with me, for the Lord. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noises of chariots and the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army. So they turned and said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Little did they know how wrong they were. There wasn't no army coming. Listen to me, there wasn't no army coming. There was four pitiful men that could hardly walk, that they were hobbling... Because leprosy would destroy your body and eat away the flesh. They maybe didn't have toes. They maybe didn't even have feet. They couldn't even make a noise if they tried. They're shoveling. They're shuffling. They're holding on to each other. Stumbling over the rocks and over everything that was in front of them. They chose the best options. Why? Because notice this. When they began to go, guess what happened? God. I want to tell you something, right? now, you may be stumbling through life and you may not feel like you have the strength, but when you take the faith option each and every time, instead of looking to what's happening all around you, the enemy is not going to see you any longer. The enemy is not going to hear you any longer. The enemy is going to see God. The enemy is going to hear God and the enemy is going to flee from before you. Verse 7, therefore they arose and fled. This is speaking of the enemy. At twilight, they left the camp intact. They left their tents, they left their horses, they left their donkeys. And they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came into the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and they ate and drank and carried from it all the silver and gold. They went into the next tent. They ate and drank and plundered it. They went to the next tent. They plundered the enemy, listen to me, who came to destroy them. You have a decision today. You can sit and die or you can say, I don't know what's ahead of me, but I choose God. I trust God for my future. I trust God for the plan that he has. And I'm telling you that when you wake up in the morning, it's not just your pitter patter that hits the floor. When you wake up in God, hell begins to quake and hell begins to shake. And the devil says, watch out. They've got up. Well, who's got up? Jim's got up. How do you know? You didn't hear that bang. You didn't hear that thump. And we think we're stumbling through life and we think we can't make it. I want you to know something. A God that is for you is a God that is with you that will bring you through each and every time. It doesn't get no worse than being in a leprous state in the Word of God. It doesn't matter what state you're in. When you've got the right focus and you're saying, no matter what, God, I'm trusting in you. God's going to produce something of greatness inside of what you feel is nothing. You maybe say like the children of Israel, I'm a grasshopper, I'm nothing today. Look again, because it's not supposed to be about you anyway. It's about the God who's inside of you. What are we talking about? The what if possibilities that God has for your life. That's the promises that God has. God wants you to enter into those. Someone sent me a picture today of something that their mortgage company sent them in the paperwork for, I guess, their monthly bill. In one of the headings, it says, if you want to turn your what ifs into what is. I like that. I want to see people turn their what ifs into what is. Just not hoping for the possibilities, but seeing the realities of what God has for your life. Because God's not just dangling a carrot and saying, maybe one day you can have it. God has a fullness that he wants you to enter into. I know I've jumped around a lot today, and we've gone from story to story, but it's for a purpose. Because I want you to see again the provision that God has for your life. I want you to see the blessing that God has for you. I want you to see the favor of God that's upon you. Oh my God, the favor that He has placed upon your life. In Psalms, David begins to talk. In Psalms 139, he talks about the wonder of God. He talks about the greatness of God. He starts by saying, God, you're a God that searches me out. And a God that knows everything about me. But yet still in knowing everything about me. Because he's fully acquainted, the Bible says, with all of your ways. That's the good, the bad and the ugly. He knows it all. But David says, even with a God that has searched us out, knows everything about us. He's a God that still chooses to be all around us. David says, where can I escape from your presence? Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Verse 8, if I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Why? Why such attention from a God? Why such attention from a God that could have so many other things in our way of thinking more important than our failures, our mistakes? Because that's what mostly He would know. Because that's where most of the time we choose to live. Jump to verse 13. Here's why. Here's why. For you were formed, for you have formed my inner parts. God made me. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought. In the lowest parts of the earth, that's speaking of the womb. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days that you fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. What an incredible picture. What an incredible picture of a God who has skillfully and wonderfully knit and pieced you together in your mother's womb. A God that knew about your life before anyone even knew about your life. A God that has your days, the writing, the things fashioned, your character, the kind of person that you are. I want you to see something today. It's the one who is for your life. He was for you before you were even born. He was for you you while you were being born and he is for you now. Picture this. An incredible God. Every one of us has a DNA. Everyone's DNA is different. We have a strand of DNA in our body. It's known as a double helix. I'm not giving you a science lesson, but it's a double helix strand. If you were to unravel the DNA of your individual body, And you were to stretch it end from end, do you realize that it would stretch 744 million miles? One person. 744 million miles. That's long enough to go to the moon and back 1,500 times. One person. One person. Why would you say that? Because I want you to see something today. Are you ready? All the what-if possibilities of your unique personality are pre-programmed by God within every cell of your body. But no one can unlock those potentialities like the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Every part of your body, your fiber... Miles and miles, millions of miles. There is possibility after possibility of what God has placed inside of each and every one of you. What are you saying, pastor? Your destiny, my destiny is not a mystery. Your destiny is a decision that you need to make. How are we going to live our lives? The decisions we make determine the what if possibilities that we step into, whether they become what is possible possibilities or not. Because God made us, He wove us so intricately, so wonderfully. That's the love and the desire that He has for each and every one of us. Given every one of us the possibilities, the abilities to make the right decisions and choices. And when we make the wrong choices and we take the wrong decisions, we will find ourselves in a grave in a wilderness. Never entering into the promises that God has for our lives. When you walked in today, you should have received a mustard seed. Get, get that seed out right now if you've still got it. I guarantee for most of you, you've probably already lost it. If I hadn't have taped mine to my folder, I would have already lost mine. by mine. But we have a seed. You can sit down, Gordon. Every one of us has a seed. If you don't have one now, that's fine, because I want you to lose it. Who has lost their seed? Come on, let me see. Who's lost their seed? You You know why we have lost the seed? Because it's so small. Anyone noticed how small it is? It's about the size of a pinhead. Very, very small. In fact, when you probably went in to get one, you probably grabbed like 50 of them because they were like so small. And it took, I see some people even dropping them right now as we talk, trying to catch them. It's okay. But I want you to get something today. And that is this. That something so small and something so insignificant carries such a potential. The enemy wants you to see yourself small. But God says, maybe small, but full of potential. The enemy wants you to see the smallness and as a result of the smallness, you kind of don't care less about it and you probably lost it because I don't know what this is for and what does it really matter? If I gave everyone when you came in here today a $100 bill, I I just want you to know that no one would have lost that. You would have maybe acted like you lost it just in case Pastor said, well, we're going to give you another one. Because, you see, a hundred dollar bill is already the potential. You just have to go out and spend it. But this is just a seed. It's just a seed. It's just a seed. But I want to close by just teaching you something today that I want to call the power of a seed. The power of a seed. Jesus spoke about possessing seed the size of a mustard seed. Did you know that? He says this in Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Jesus is kind of just kind of chastising them a little bit like we need. He's like saying to them, listen, because of your inability to get it right, let let me explain something to you. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, because you keep messing up, let me explain something to you. Jesus said, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, They just haven't been able to cast out the devil. They're struggling to say, what's the deal? How come you can? We can't. Jesus is now teaching them something like he's teaching us. Because so many times we look and say, why am I defeated? Why am I cast down? Jesus is showing us the secret today of the what if to the what is possibilities that God has for your life. Jesus said, assuredly, I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say To any mountain. You can say to cancer. You can say to bondage and addiction. You can say to adultery. You can say to a marriage that's on the rocks. You can say to children and husbands and family members who are lost. You can boldly begin to speak to those obstacles. And you can begin to declare in the name of Jesus. You're going to have to move out of my way you're going to have to move out of the way because God says when you have just the smallest of faith that has the potential to do great things, God says nothing will be impossible for you. My God, you've got to start looking at the right thing today because if you're just looking at the smallness, you'll say, how can that be? But your focus has got to be on the God who holds the potential for your life because God in you, Makes you a majority, not a minority. That's why David said, with God, I can run through a troop, I can jump over a wall. Why? Because I am greater than anything that's around me. Faith maybe appears small and weak still to us. But God says that smallness can accomplish what is humanly impossible to do. Our what ifs can feel so small in comparison to everything around us. We step into big problems tomorrow and we can feel so small. We can begin to remind ourselves that we're so small because the problems tower over us. But I want you to know something today. Don't ever discard your seed and throw it away. You dig a hole and you plant that seed. You plant your life and you ground your life in God because when you plant your faith, when you say, I'm going to believe God and I'm going to trust God, your life begins to take on a new nature because there's a new nature of a miracle that's in the making that's beginning to happen. So what are the mountains of your life? Is it loneliness, a lost job, sickness, hurt relationships, trouble in your homes? Those, ma- those things are no match. For the God that you serve. And every one of us, the Bible says, has been given a measure of faith. In other words, God says, I've given you enough. And even if it's bigger than a mustard seed, God says, with a mustard seed you have more than enough. Every one of us has a measure of faith. So the reality is this. We are all sitting on the potential if we would make the decision. If we would make the decision to live for God and to serve God. God, Quit focusing always on the outcome and realize that increase is God's responsibility. Quit focusing on how it's all going to work out and how it's all going to fall in place. Plant that seed of faith and just step up and begin to go in God. Because our job is to plant and water the seed of faith and it's Him that will bring the increase. It's us to make the decisions and God that brings The blessings. I'm telling you, God will turn around your what-if possibilities to what is reality. You're not destined to die in a wilderness. You're not destined to die in a wilderness. That's not God's plan for your life. It's for you each day to take a step of faith. may seem small, insignificant. But every day you're leaving the if-only regrets. And you're stepping into the what-if possibilities that God has your life. Because I'm telling you right now, you remain faithful. That seed's going to become a harvest. One, love, one last scripture and then I'm going to pray for you. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Amen. Never quit making the right decisions for your life. Oh, but Pastor Philip, it's not working. I'm not seeing the breakthroughs and you never will if you start. Keep making the right decisions, the Word of God says. Never get weary in doing good, for in due season, it's going to come. I don't know when, but it's going to come. In due season, you're going to reap if you don't lose Heart. Don't lose heart along the way. The children of Israel lost heart, lost focus, came to wrong conclusion, found themselves in the wrong place. Don't lose heart. Focus your life in on God. Trust God. Never give up on your what ifs. Don't settle for your if only regrets because that's a backward goal. His goal is for you to have a plan and a purpose for your life. So your destiny today is determined upon the decision you make what are you going to do with that seed no matter how small don't see it as a small seed see it for the massive potential that it has in god would you bow your heads all over this place today